Hello and welcome back to Sitting In. You are listening to episode 13 and today we've got a we've got a cool topic for you to get into. This one is about the importance of self-reflection as a musician. So we're talking about why we do it. We're talking about what kind of form it takes when we practice as well and some other interesting topics that I'm sure that we'll dive into today. So again, I am joined by Reese Gilchrist today. Unfortunately, Callum is still teaching. Uh, that's okay. He's ed- editing the uh, he's editing the podcast, so he can hear us uh, somewhere in the meta metaverse. That's the uh, the verse above the uh, hyper hyper ultra metaverse. Exactly. So if you are listening in this this episode in the meat space or the metaverse, that's <laughs> entirely okay. So we're happy to have you. Um, just a quick note as well: if you'd like to support the podcast in any kind of way as well, you can uh, you can check out our merch store. We've got a lot of really cool stuff: t-shirts and jumpers, uh, mugs as well, which I do not have one to showcase. But all of those proceedings really help us for just the general quality of the podcast, the uh, the production value, all those kind of things as well. So we really appreciate your support so far as well. So if you do want to help us help the podcast and support it. Uh, in any kind of way then that's a really good way please sir another thing as well is you can caffeinate us there is a link in the bio below for still empty. Uh, buy me a coffee reese is still empty we're on uh what is this now week week 12 with no caffeine i don't know bro i've just forgot i don't uh. even want it anymore <laughs> <laughs> well get us back on the uh the caffeinated bean train uh yeah so without further ado, let's sort of dive into this. So it's a bit of a funny, uh, long title, really. You know, the idea of self-reflection, what it sort of means. And it comes off of the back of conversations that both you and I have had uh, privately and some conversations I seem to be having with a lot of the people that are connected to me as well, which is fun. And it really kind of started as something that, that came from talking about practicing in general. And a deeper kind of conversation was really about the process of self-reflection, really what it means to collect your ideas and, and all of those kind of things. But Reese, what, uh, what does self-reflection mean to you? How do you want to kick off this conversation? What does self-reflection mean to me? Self-reflection to me is about giving yourself space and the time to look back on what it is that you've done. In whatever way that might be, it might mean that at the end of the day, you simply have a conversation with someone in your house as to like, oh, how was your day? I think that's a process of self-reflection in some way. Um, But as a musician, I find that self-reflection is a little bit more personal. It's not something that I actually openly share with everybody. In fact, sometimes I don't share it with anybody. I've got stuff that I've scribbled scribbled out and thought about that I I don't really want to share with anybody, you know? And it's not because it's, I don't know, too personal. I just, some of it is not important to maybe other people. And yeah, I think that self-reflection to me is, right now it's in this thing. I like to write stuff down. And I don't only self-reflect musically. I kind of do this thing where I don't do it every day, but like, let's say I do it every other day or every couple days. I just kind of write how the last few days have been and what I'm thinking about mentally. I do find that if I do it every single day, I, it starts to become sort of, you know, like a dear diary thing where it's like, today I done this and that, and I liked this and I didn't like that. I like to, yeah, I like to do it every couple of days because I feel like I can give a more accurate overview because I've had time to distance myself from whatever event had happened. Um, so on, yeah, I'm off not the gonna, back of that, 
Would yeah, you yeah. find then, I know I'm like jumping into questions so soon, but they've just been raised. It's Valentine's Day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there, is a, there is a question in there about, um, do you find that the ritualization then of self-reflection is inherently a bad thing? Hmm. No, I think that it works for certain people. Now, I find, and I can look at my notes and sort of justify this, that if I do it every day, I, or sorry, if I write it every day, my notes become a little bit too sort of like a Twitter feed where it's like, I've done this, then I've done that, and then I've done this, and then I've done that. And it's like, it doesn't really say much. It's more of an account of that's what I've done that day. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> what I prefer to do is every couple days. Some, I mean, I've gone a month without writing anything, and then I recap a whole month, which is also a very useful thing for me to do because it means that I can I can look at the whole month having completed it and see the process of it and maybe sum it up in a little bit more of an articulate way as opposed to one day writing down why I was frustrated with this event when I'm in the midst of it all, which is also, I guess, a beneficial exercise, but I can actually zoom out uh, when... I've distanced myself from the event. That's kind of my my preferred process. Now, I have tried writing stuff down every single day, but I find it to be not that useful for me. And I've done it with my practice notes as well, where I'll write this tempo, this tune, this key. And then the next day, I'll pretty much write the same thing. Then the next day, I'll add on one element, like maybe this key. And I find it doesn't really give me much data to move forward with. Like, I have a good enough memory that I know what key i'm playing or what tune i'm playing you know i'd rather wait a couple of weeks potentially and say well i studied that piece this is what i learned and this is what i want to take from it and this is what i want to try next mm. what about you what's your process that, like, man Jack? that's really um that's really in- interesting and inspiring as well i think to 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 hear what you're talking about for me i divide self-reflection into two different things i think um there was absolutely a question about practice and about the person as well but i kind of try to first define what self-reflection actually is so i think for me self-reflection can be in that ritualized sitting down and you know whether it's just kind of reflecting on life or it's reflecting on playing or ideas or the future or whatever cool that can be a daily or a almost kind of bi-weekly process as well there's also a an idea that i typically have around self-reflection which is that for me i get into a habit of only ever reflecting if you like when i have big realizations about things whether that's musical or 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 other and it does make me realize that there there are two sides to what it means to reflect um so for me i mean i i typically have lots of different mediums of which i reflect into so i journal for myself Uh, i also journal in terms of musical stuff and i think there's kind of two different avenues there as well so i have a book that looks at notation as well so like a staff notation book so I will note down specific exercises and the date of stuff that I've been looking at. So it might be, I don't know, it could be like a line as well. It could be like a four bar, four bar line, or it could be a, you know, a, a 16 bar exercise or it could be whatever it is. So I've got a nice moleskin journal that I like to kind of detail those things. And oftentimes I will, I will analyze or I will, I will reflect on how I got on with that piece or how I got on with that idea or, or what it was that made me um, want to explore it in the first place and i think more recently in the past couple of years i've started to add a, a an emotional kind of reflection component to a lot of the music that i write as well obviously translating from the more personal journaling that i'll do but i also have kind of another medium and this is the the one that seems the most consistent 
I suppose, which is really just with with practice, just noting, noting just what goes on. And it doesn't happen every single session because I don't always get time to practice every day. It's just that's, you know, it's the way of the world. But I do find that just the process of sitting down with the intent to do it is sometimes good enough for me. So sitting down and saying, okay, well, this day I practiced this at this tempo and blah, blah, blah. I didn't get to do everything, but, you know, it worked. But the benefit from it and why we do it is kind of the focus of today's podcast, which I think is really interesting. And I think it takes musicians a long time to really find out what level of self-reflection really works for them. You know, because there's self-reflection for the person, of course, as we've just talked about, but there's also self-reflection for the musician, what things matter, trying to balance things up, perhaps doing some spring cleaning as well, which is <laughs> great to do. How I mean, important is it? Sorry, Jack. How important is it for you to separate those areas of your life? Because it seems that you have a couple of books, maybe, you know, one for, say, your personal life, one for music and maybe one for something else. Whereas I, I personally, I like to do everything in one book. How important is it for you to separate those Very. items? You know, just as you said it there, I think the general truth, and I, I know there are musicians out there who their passion is so deeply ingrained that it's just part of your lifestyle, that I don't think there really ever is a divide between all those things. I think you put your life into your music and you put your, you put your, um, your, your rituals as well into, into perspective in your music or whatever it is that you do as well. So I don't think you ever truly divided. I think all of those things have a component, like I was saying about the kind of the emotional response to music or the stuff that you're playing or listening to, just into your, yeah, into your practice as well. I think that's, um, I think that's a big part of it. For me, the reason I divide it though is really, I like having different mediums. Sometimes I don't want to sit down and write, you know, paragraph on paragraph of like, this was my reflection about this today. I did this and it made me think of this. Sometimes that's not useful for me and I need other things. I need the reflection of sitting down and just noting out an idea. And, you know, a lot of the time as well, like I, like you, I don't necessarily share it. Um, but I have found as well that there's been uh, there's been a really interesting response when I have shared it, especially with uh, just general practice journals. People seem very intrigued by perhaps the perceived consistency of those journals, which I'm going to dispel that right now. They are nowhere near as consistent as that I would like them to be. But it's more about the intent behind each page, which I think is the important thing. So I think just having different different mediums of which I can I can choose to kind of self-reflect in different ways is really is really great. It means that your entire kind of critical critical analysis or just general um general uh I'm going to keep using the word uh, reflection or self-reflection here but just that your general self-reflection is, is varied the ways that you do it are varied and, and I don't know I just get different ideas that way that's cool did you ever see Kurt uh, Rosenwinkel mm -hmm. who for those of you who don't know is a really great guitarist you should check out and composer and piano player he went through a I don't know if it was a phase or just like a a bit of a, a time where he would post photos from his journal when he was I think a lot younger, like maybe in his like early 20s and 18, 19. And it was, I mean, it was interesting to see how he conducts that process of reflection. It was all very meta from what I could see, um, which is cool. I mean, he obviously, that's how he wants to articulate his thoughts. And I found it to be really interesting just to read that. I guess I maybe get the same experience in some way 
reading people's autobiographies. Mm. You know, it's like getting into the mind of the artist in some way. But I'm just wondering, did you see that? And how did you feel about reading someone else's journal? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I did see that. I saw that a couple of years ago when it came out. And it's really funny. Like, I, I have to say, I didn't understand a whole lot of what he was writing. And I think the beauty is that when you look at Kurt and his music after having read some of his early journals, I think you get a greater sort of sense or depth of, of what his music is about. And in some ways, like I was thinking about this the other day, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with. It was very interesting, though. We were talking about the fact that art really can't exist without, and this is going to seem really basic, but the art can't exist without a person. And that in some ways, I know, I know it's a bit of a tired argument, but the, the, the flaws of the, part, of the person are, you know, the thing that makes them individual and interesting and whatever. But really that when you go to say, I'm going to take an art gallery as an example, because you used autobiography. And I think that's a really, that's a really cool um, link between these things. When I went to go see, uh, there was a Picasso, there's a Picasso exhibition a number of years ago at the Tate in London. I went to go see it. And I think the really cool thing was that every room that you went down showcased a different part of his career. And obviously his art changed as well and his ideas and his perspective on things as well, which is a big part of Picasso's work, which is continually breaking out of the idea of perspective as well. But the thing that was most interesting was that underneath all of the paintings, there was quite a detailed description of what was going on in his life at the time, whether it was romantic relationships or whether it was just, you know, the war or whether it was um, engagements he, he was having in the art world as well. There was always a reason for his art to turn out in a specific way. And though, and although it wasn't in Picasso's own words, you could see that the person mattered just as much as the painting. And I think that we all sort of, we can gloss over a piece of art or a piece of content or whatever it is, a piece of music as well, without really taking into consideration how interesting the person is behind it as well. And I make this reference so much with my private students as well, which is like when we're sitting and we're working on this, this thing here, um, the guitar, we're sitting, we're practicing it. The general goal is actually not to be a better guitar player. It's, it's not really the goal. That's the thing that most you know, students, as you'll know, come to you saying, I want to be a better guitar player. I want to be able to do blah, 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 blah. But when you start to really dig into it, the interesting thing is all of your guitars behind you, if you ask them, you know, just turn around and ask them if you could play me something they can't they are just they are just a physical thing they're just an object really they're just a piece of wood with strings on them but the interesting thing is i can sing arpeggios i can hear melodies i can you know start to hear how 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 chords might sound or how you know a tune might sound or even something bigger as well but it does make you realize that you are always training the person that the person is the impetus for all creative output as well and it's really made me take a big step back. And this is obviously something I've, I've journaled about as well quite a lot. But it's made me take a big step back as seeing being a better guitar player is actually not being that important at all. And actually the self-reflection idea of, and I, again, kind of relating this back to Kurt, is that when you start to see somebody's music for more than just the, the first reaction, which is the notes, the music, the time feel, the blah, blah, blah. When you start to see it as more than that, you start to realize, oh, this is somebody that's trying to convey a lot more through their music, either from a personal sense or from, um, yeah, just sharing some really, some really different concepts. I think, uh, 
I, I really enjoyed seeing that stuff as well. Although it doesn't resonate with me personally, it made me look on his music and see that his intent was... I mean, he has a he has a really clear intent for what he's trying to do as well, and he puts it across in a lot of his music. And it's it's the thing I love about Coltrane as well, and that he's another guy who his developments came through developments in his life that he both wrote about and talked about as well. Um, but yeah, it's very cool. That's a really cool point because when I get into an artist, I go through this process, and I don't do it with everybody, but when I'm getting into someone who's like one of the greats what I do is I'll always look for some writing about them. I'll try and find out about their life. I find that to be really interesting. And Coltrane's a great example because for the longest time, I I didn't quite get his music. I don't think I fully understand it. Yeah, I don't know if anybody does. But I, I read uh, a book called Col- Coltrane and it was a biography about Coltrane. And after reading that, I felt like I appreciated music his, his music in such a different way. And... I sort of understand a little bit more of it now, just from like a, I don't know if it's like an esoteric or like a, I don't know, I I have a better sketch of like maybe what is he's going for. And that helped me understand and enjoy his art in a different way. Now I have a question for you. So given that we both enjoy that process of learning about an artist via perhaps a biography or whatever else, their journal, and you have said that that changes how you perceive someone's art. Now, what do you think about, we don't have to get too dark here, but like, what do you think about people who, oh, I don't know, like do bad things? Does that change how you feel about their art? You know, if someone is, uh, I don't know, been put in jail for something horrible. Yeah, well, that's a very good question. That's Because um... there are bands that I've listened to and then something comes out that they've, done something and everybody's like oh well like lost profits for example like i've actually never really enjoyed their music but it's a good example it's like do you then change your opinion of that band or is the music like what place does that take in your man it's a really it's a really tough argument because you're right it depends kind of what kind of flaw you're talking about as well because i think when you're looking at situations like that of course you know very dark situation but when somebody really sort of tarnishes their their um what would you say their standing i suppose in society or just gets into some kind of trouble that's really reprehensible you do sort of look on their art differently although you know perhaps you perceived it a different way at a time or you you valued it in a certain way i mean i have to say i think i think that quite a lot about clapton as well clapton is somebody that like i got into when i was really young i didn't really know about his life or who he was I just think the past few years, I've really changed my mind on it. I look at him and go, man, you, uh, you've really gone down my estimation. And I don't know, it, it, I, I don't really have an answer, if I'm being completely honest. I don't really have an answer as to how I respond to it. But I notice that I don't listen to that stuff. And perhaps that's just a, that's a, that's a reaction to what I know now or what I think now as well, because nobody, nobody is perfect, but there are absolutely people who make sizable mistakes that you can't always just brush under the carpet. You know, um, I'm not sure how that reflects on the artwork, but I think there are people as well, and this is perhaps a little bit of a different angle, but there are people who are who are severely tortured by things as well. You think about the 27 club, you know, do you, do you put people down because they weren't able to, fight their demons or they weren't able to get past certain struggles in their life as well 
or do you devalue their art because you never saw their full journey manifest? I think the answer is probably no on the art front. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think about somebody like Hendrix, you know, somebody who the guy never made it to 30 and he was an unbelievable musician. And it almost sort of feels like uh, we missed such a large part of his music and that he must have been a guy that dealt with a lot of internal struggle. He must have been. I mean, it was the it was the 60s as well. Um, everything to do with race politics as well that, that absolutely affected America at the time and, and, and his his own music as well. But I, just, I would love to have heard the stuff that came out about, you know, him and Miles, the, the stuff that they would have done as well. But it's a really interesting and contentious question. I have to be honest, I don't have an answer for, but I think you're right. It's sometimes very hard to judge the music based on the person, but sometimes the person does something that's so hard to avoid that you sort of just maybe subconsciously avoid the music because of that as well. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely not drawing a parallel between between Hendrix and <laughs> any of that other stuff though. But yeah. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm on the same page as you, one. to be honest, Jack. Like I feel the same. Um but I also at least not to my knowledge, there aren't a lot of musicians or bands I've listened to who something like that has happened to. So maybe I've just not experienced it and it's not I don't know. I think my opinion on someone like Joe Bonamassa has maybe changed a bit. Hmm. For whatever reason, well, do you know, we don't need to get into it. You're right. Like, well, maybe we're not talking about like, this is the interesting, maybe we're not talking about like the massive flaws in people. That's the thing. In some respect, we've started off by talking about, you know, the crimes that people commit and that kind of thing. And how can we really look at them the same way if they, if they do something that's so morally reprehensible? Do we have to then pin that on their music? Of which that's, that's an interesting one because there's an mm. idea about, well, there's an idea about they're still profiting from it from, 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 from one standpoint. There's also another argument that says if you were to look at just the music that exists, you know, you know, away from the person, which I don't believe you can do in the first place. I think there's always some extension or, or some link to the person. There is a question of do you still value it in the same way? But when you're looking at things that are not maybe morally reprehensible or that society doesn't deem as a crime or as something horrible, like even just, yeah, you find out that somebody's just, I don't know, a, a, a bit of a bad person or just like they, they rip off musicians or that kind of thing, um, mm. of which I'm sure we all know those stories. Do we look on their music in a different way? Do we respond to it in a different way if they don't do something that's, that's, that's as contentious? That's, that's yeah. a hard question to answer. And I sort of feel that only you, the listener, can really make that choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's a question of how deep you want to get into something as well. Because yeah. I don't know, like there are artists that I love and oh, maybe someone's just said like, oh, I met him and he wasn't actually that nice. Hmm. Like that's not enough to change my opinion on no. someone, but also makes me wonder. And it's yeah. like, well, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's maybe it's a case by case kind of thing. I yeah. guess it actually is a case by case thing. It is. It, it, it's, it's absolutely a case by case thing. You're right. I, I think the other thing as well is like, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but there's a lot of John Mayer's early years that he came out with some really nasty comments. He came out with some stuff that's just not okay to say. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is he's he's sort of gone through this rebranding, um, this kind of sort of spiritual rebranding, sort of um, I've grown up now and I'm a functioning person in the world, of which, you know, we all go through it. <laughs> he was a young guy when he got famous as well, which is not to excuse some of the things that he said. But, 
yeah, it's a hard one. Like, how how do we how do we judge a, if we're going to judge music on the person as well? How how does that how does that work? I, being honest, as much as I want to be articulate, artic, yeah, as much as I want to be um, articulate on this issue, I don't think I have a real a real answer for it. That's fine. I mean, we yeah. don't always need to provide answers <laughs> as well. You know, it's a place for discussion, and that is. I think sometimes that is more, um, I sometimes get more from that as a listener and someone active in the discussion as opposed to an answer. So I think it's cool that we were taking on these questions, mm. you know? It's, it's a tough question as well. Like, it would be interesting to know what listeners think of this stuff as well, because I'm sure there are things that we've said that are contentious that, I mean, at least for me, I would, I would love to know people's contentions with this issue as well, because it's... Mm-hmm. It's such a difficult one, but it also seems like something that we in society are talking more about as well, um, yep. whether that's just through cancel culture or, or, or whatever. It's, it's, yeah, I'm sure we could go down that road as well. But on the process of self-reflection, you know, bringing it back to bringing it back to kind of like, the point. The, yeah, the, the point, the day to day as well. Um, how important is consistency in self-reflection for you? I, I want to sort of go back to this topic yeah. as well. Um. Hmm. The reason I mention it as well is because one thing I sort of find is whether it's just, I don't know, keeping up regular discipline in practice or just keeping up regular playing or whatever. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of students that I have that they get really down on not being able to do it. Like I showed, um, this week I showed some, some pictures of, uh, my practice journal. So some of them are like, yesterday uh blah 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 i did this this and this and then there's you know like a week goes by and then i decide to do it again there's a lot of people that i think and maybe i'm picking this up wrong or maybe i'm picking it up right who knows um i kind of understood quite a lot of um self-criticism i think on the backs of people who 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 maybe wrongly assume that i do it every single time that i sit down to play but when we kind of talked about it a little bit, there was a lot of people who really struggled with just keeping it up in the first place. So they, um, uh, yeah. They, feel bad uh, about it, maybe? The, yeah, I think I think there's de- there's definitely some in there. They felt a little bit bad about just not being able to do it. But I quickly dispel yeah. that by saying, like, I'm nowhere near consistent with it as much. No, as I mean, near my, like I, I've actually pulled out, like, a, a random page here just to give you an example of what mm. it might look like. And I date my entries and... On these two pages, which are filled by I have the 14th of January, then the 19th, then the 31st. And the 31st takes up two and a half pages. And then the next one's the 4th of February. So I don't do it every day. Mm. And I kind of said at the beginning that I don't, uh, that's not important for me. But, you know, sometimes I do just write something that is a little bit more, I don't know. It's, it's not an overview of the last four days. It's just one thing I noticed that day. And... I want to share one, actually, because it kind of makes me smile to some some extent. Well, no, I, I don't know. There's something I like about it. And so 14th of January entry says, I'm currently watching a Julian Lage video. And someone left a comment saying, Julian, you've made me smile so hard today. I thought that was such a nice thing to say. And that's all it says. And I mean, I can look at that and it gives me a lot to think about. Personally. We don't need to get into what that is, but like for me, that's a, that's a pretty sound entry. And then the 31st of January is like two and a half pages reflecting on how I felt 
on that performance that we spoke about um, in episode ten, uh, 9 or 10. And there's loads in there that I'm just sort of unpacking. And then the 19th of January is like, just finished my tax return and then a bunch about like how I feel about that. So yeah, maybe that was a bit of diversion. I did want to share that. But for me, it doesn't have to be a daily thing. However, I would say that I, I spent a good, maybe a good three years, let's say, maintaining a practice of meditation. And I found that through that process, one thing that I developed more than anything was the ability to kind of reflect in a way that is a little bit more, how do I say it? I got quite good at distancing myself from emotional reactions, maybe. What I'm trying to say is self-reflection is something that I think happens moment to moment. And it's not always something that I have to summarize on a piece of paper. For example, um, in fact, here's a good example. This morning, we set out to do a podcast. We've been hanging out for three hours now. And the first one we'd done, well, I mean, it didn't work out too well. And we binned it. And it, it didn't work out for so many reasons. And I found myself in, in a moment being like, ah, oh, I'm, like, I'm kind of frustrated about that. But I think through the practice of meditation, I was able to self-reflect sort of in that moment as to how I felt. I'd be like, all right, what's actually the issue here? And I addressed that through reflecting very quickly. It wasn't like a, a process of let me write down how I feel about this. I just sort of reflected. But again, another area of, or another way that I like to reflect is, you know, when I catch up with my girlfriend at the end of the day, she comes home from work and we'll just talk about how our days were. And that is still an element of self-reflection, I think. The only difference between what we have discussed for the most of this, uh, the majority of this episode is the writing down of it. I don't think it has to be like that, but I think you should consider uh, many ways in how you reflect, whether it's writing down or a thought experiment or a thought process, like how did I react to that person saying, uh, you suck, you know what I mean, or whatever it was. Uh, and then there's the, you know, just speaking to the people around you and like catching up and reflect on how you feel. Does that okay. answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> it actually leads me on to another one as well, because I think this is where there's, uh, there's some real gold. How often do you look back on your, whether it's daily or weekly or just important self-reflections? Maybe not as much as I should, but I do, like, I'll just flick through and I'll just have a look and it'll give me a, a snapshot as to what was happening at that time. You know, if I go really far back in this, we're in 2020 and <laughs> here's a funny one. <laughs> So uh, I'll just read you the first line. Um, <laughs> spent too much time looking at folding bikes. <laughs> I went through a process. Uh, I had a dream about a folding bike and I woke up and I was like, is this a thing? And well, the next slide is I ended up buying one and deciding to sell my old one. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's a bunch of other things on that. But if I look back at that, it's, I mean, there's not too much to, it's just funny, you know? But then I look back at some other ones that are like several pages long and really in depth on a specific thing. And I get a lot of benefit from that. A lot of what I realize is the old, uh, oh, look how far you've come sort of thing. It's like, oh, that's what I was dealing with then. But like, no, that's not even an issue. And, you know, that fold up bike, I, I, I don't know why I bought it, but there's a learning point there, you know. But anyway, to answer your question just directly, I don't make a practice or a habit out of looking back to it. 
um, but it's something that I do enjoy, much like looking at the photos, the photo of my album in my childhood. You know, it's like every now and then it's nice to look back and be like, oh yeah, so that's what happened. But from a journal, it's maybe more like, ah, now this makes sense. Potentially. Yeah, that makes what a lot you? of sense. Yeah. Um, do you know, it's funny. I write some things for looking back on. And then there are other things like I think my, my personal journal, I don't look back on at all. I think for me, sometimes the ritual of just sitting down to do it is enough. But when I look at things like, especially things I'm practicing as well, and as I say, like I've tried to implement more of a, an emotional response to things as well. Kind of like you were saying about, you know, that Julian Lage comment. I think that's a really, it's a really nice sentiment that you've written down as well. Because I also think, I think it draws into something that's really important about why you play in the first place, which is like, we all play to want to connect, but Sometimes the thing that we don't always document is our own reaction to the things that make us feel a certain way as well, which I think is a great thing to be able to do. I think we honestly are heading to a world where we are we are less about reactions and more about just kind of consuming what's put in front of us or that's been designed to be put in front of us. And so making conscious choices is something that I think is, is changing a lot with technology now, a lot, um, to the point that personal belief again i have no evidence or facts to prove it but i think it takes a lot more work to sit down and really think what are my thoughts on this or like what do i actually feel about this certain 100 man 100 so, i mean one thing i do as well with um with some of my my private students as well is that if they're struggling you know perhaps they're in a rut or perhaps they just like i've got a few students who who really res who really struggle with trying to respond to music in the first place I have a playlist that I usually send out to people and I'll just simply say, find me two songs and write me a paragraph on each about whether you dislike it as well. That's an important thing as well. Knowing why you dislike something rather than accepting a belief of disliking something because A, B, C or D. Tell me why you dislike it. You know, and, and all of it's relevant as well. Maybe you dislike it because, you know, the rhythms are off or you don't like the tone of this or the song feels too long or you know, the album cover is purple and you hate that color. <laughs> it could be something as, you know, as simple as that. But again, it's about like trying to coax out a true and genuine reaction from the things that you, you listen to. But I think in, in terms of like what you were saying about, here's a comment I found and that kind of thing. I do that for, uh, for what I'm playing as well. I have stuff that's really specific in there as well. I look, I look back at when I was still at music school from like 2017 or 18. And it says stuff like, um, uh, played the Lydian Sharp 9. Played the Lydian Sharp 9 mode today. Feel really freaked out. Or like haunting sounds <laughs> are upon us. You know, stuff that's just like, it's funny, but it, it, what I'm trying to do is, is, is attach a general sense of what does this music actually do? Because it's not just a bunch of notes. And if it is a bunch of notes, then you are a robot, robot playing robot music. But again, this is the thing, and this is the thing that we can't decide as well, is we can't decide people's, people's reaction to our music. We can't decide that. It's something that we just, we don't have the power, as much as we want to believe that we do, we don't have the power in, in how it's received. But we do have the power in being able to track our own um, sort of understanding about things. But one thing, I know I'm about to hit the absolute ramble, ramble of the century is, I think... Uh, there's something important about every self-reflection doesn't need to like move towards an album. Because like, I think about um, posting videos is a good example, I think, to some degree of a self-reflection. 
whether it's posting stuff that you practice or something that you've just managed to achieve. I think they don't always have to lead to an album or a great sort of realization about the world. I think there's a really nice place where a self-reflection can exist is just a happy moment that happened or something that you struggled with. And that's all that it really has to be. It doesn't have to be a big turning point all the time. And I think sometimes even just sitting down to try to write down, this is what I was practicing today. I couldn't keep it up for four days. I couldn't even keep it up for two. But I showed the intent of discipline, which that sometimes can be enough to um, flower into something perhaps more practical or useful. Yeah, I think the process of reflecting is much more important than actually what you're reflecting on, to be honest. I think the more you can get comfortable diving into how you feel about certain things and your reactions and even thinking about to some extent how this will inform your future or what you want to do next like what the next steps are i think the more you can get comfortable just doing that process the better a person you will be i think you'll be better at managing your own time and thinking about what it is you want to do but you'll also be able to make more informed decisions as to why you do or don't want to do a certain thing because you've given yourself time to actually explore that emotional response or whatever it may be that will come out when you do such an activity. And I think that journaling self-reflection should be about, it's an end in itself. It's like, just you just got to do it. And that is the point, you know, it's, it's not supposed to lead to like a, well, as you said, like an album or an end result. It's like reflecting is, that is the point. It's, you know, it's funny. It's like a hall of mirrors, really, in that it is important and it's also not important at all. So it's, it's it sits. Do you know what I think it is? You know, the, the thing that I'm really trying to get to is it's really just about finding presence. I think a lot of the time we can be critical of the past. We can be critical of the future. We can even be critical of the present as well. But to really reflect on things, I think, means that, sure, you can look back and you can look forward, but there has to be an understanding of like where you're at as well. And it's kind of why I'm saying like the, the, the intent towards discipline is sometimes more important than actually just showing discipline for so-and-so days. That's great because it's an achievement and you really build something and you can look back on things and go, man, this is crazy. I managed to do all this stuff. Oh, man, I did this and then I tried this. Wow, I was doing so much there. Mm -hmm. But there is also like, you know, because look, life gets busier. Just It does. It's just what happens. Sometimes you can't play for four, seven, 11 hours a day. You can't do it. And I think there can come a time that you can look back on your own self-reflection and go, oh man, I'm, I don't practice like I used to. I'm not the musician I was. And that to me is like an over self-critical look at the past, which affects your present. And again, it's the point of like, if you just intended to try to discipline yourself for one day and just go, okay, well, I'm going to try to sit down and do this. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You only really have today. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can bring that out in the beautiful form of music that we all seem to sort of enjoy and congregate around, then that's a really good way to, um, that's a really good way to just self-reflect on, on what it is that you're dealing with and, you know, your thoughts on things. But yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think... I would like to offer a opportunity to those listening. You know, if you haven't started this process or you're not sure how to, um, I think we should share some some ideas. And I I think I initially learned this from Julian Lage, funnily enough. Funnily, 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 yeah, funnily enough. <laughs> 
And the idea is when you're practicing, just to write down literally anything that comes to mind, good or bad. Like you might be practicing and obviously, I mean, afterwards, I wouldn't do it whilst you're practicing because too much in between. Yeah, just get a piece of paper and write down whatever you're thinking. It could literally be, I'm hungry, or it could be, I sounded really good today. Or it could be something like, I absolutely hated that, my tone is rubbish, why can't I learn this phrase that I'm trying to practice? I think each one of those items on that list are all worth given time, because that is how you felt. And the more you get used to expressing that feeling, the I think the more in contact you get with how you do feel. And so my uh, exercise that I want you to try, you can try it now if you like, is to pause the podcast and literally just have a think about how you actually feel right now. Like, did this episode annoy you? <laughs> I hope not. But like, how do you actually feel? Like, try and tune into that. And you don't have to write anything down, but like, just be honest with yourself. You know, is there something that bugged you from earlier on today that is still like, er, you know, are you listening to this podcast thinking, when is he going to shut up? That's all fine. But like, acknowledge it. And I think that is the start of opening yourself up to maybe how you feel, which can then lead into, you know, how you or who you are as a musician and a person. Do you want right. to add into that? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go on the back and forth train. Um, okay, mine's quite simple. And it very much just details what I've just talked about, which is um, celebrate the intent, not the achievement. I think when we over-celebrate the intent, or sorry, when we over-celebrate the achievement, we, start, we sort of pedestalize things that we do in the past or things that we plan to do or whatever. But I think celebrating the achievement is the most important thing, which is, sorry, celebrating the intent. There we go. Celebrate the intent, not the achievement. When we look at just the intent of wanting to sit down to write or to play or to reflect, that is the most important thing because it really teaches us presence and it teaches us to value presence, I think, both as a musician and as a person as well. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's been a very interesting conversation. I think it makes me want to go away and write as well, which is cool. But yeah, on that note as well, is there anything else you want to say? I'm, I'm happy to wrap it up. I love the last point that you were making. Um, and it reminded me of a book that I, I'm currently reading called The Practicing Mind. Oh, cool. That I think is really good. It's a very short book, but it does cover a lot. I think in some, yeah, a lot of what we've kind of ended on is in that book. And yeah, I recommend people check it out. It's really nice. Nice thing to check out. Interesting. Well, this has been a really fun chat. We have gone to every corner of the idea of self-reflection and valuing art. It's been really fun and we hope that you, the listener, have enjoyed this just as much as we have. It's been really good. I'm sure that we will be back in our next session with Callum as well, which will be great. But in the meantime, if you want to help us grow and help us you know, move towards some more uh, interesting episodes as well, Feel free to interact with us. You can share our, our episode here or any of the other episodes as well. It would help us greatly. We would really appreciate it. Um, also, you can support the podcast, as we mentioned at the start, by helping us on the merch side of things. We have a link below for the merch store as well. We have jumpers galore and all kinds of stuff. Um, and also, you can buy us a coffee if you like as well. We are, we are beasts that run on beans, bean juice. So... Uh, <laughs> We need that stuff to keep us going. But 
again, this has been a really fun one. And I think just as a closing point, I'm sure you'll agree, Reese. it would really be great to hear some of your thoughts in the comment section, whether you are listening to this on Spotify, drop us a message on Instagram or drop us a message on YouTube as well. If you're watching us through here, um, any way that you can, yeah, it'd be really great to hear from you. But once again, thank you very much. We have been sitting in and we'll see you in the next episode.